With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. The bill I'm about to sign along is proof that despite the cynics, Democrats and Republicans can come together and deliver results. We can do this. We can deliver real results for real people. We see in ways that really matter each and every day to each person out there. And we're taking a monumental step forward to build back better as a nation. All right, hackeroos, that was the president of the United States cutting a ribbon, talking, signing a bill, talking infrastructure, wishing he had a bigger shovel to dig himself out of the problems that he's got right now in the polling data. We're going to talk about all that and his infrastructure, the path out of it, plus some interesting going-ons in the grand old party. With us today, no, send all your angry letters to uh, David Axelrod, because this is somebody you want to hear from, old, old friend of mine from the Republican trenches. Who could it be, David Axelrod? Boy, I'll tell you what. No, not only is he a, a veteran of the Republican trenches, not only is has he polled for every significant Republican in the last century, uh, but uh, he also is a fellow at the Institute of Politics at the University of Chicago this corner. Tony Fabrizio, it's good to see you, brother. Hey, good to see you guys. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And I, I know you two will appreciate all the hate mail you, ha- you get for having me on. Uh, on your show again yeah well sometimes sometimes i get the hate mail from murphy himself so. yeah no, well no i get hate mail just for not being a communist believe me but but tony and i are going to straighten ideologically straighten uh david out oh, today boy. It sounds like gonna, fun yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i heard you and gibbs last week so i'm gonna bring a little ideological slap back here today <laughs> but anyway here we are the president finally at great great length overcame his most treacherous enemies, the left wing of his own party, to pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which got a remarkable amount of Republican support in the Senate, should have been an easy political layup winner, got delayed uh, through the Menshevik Bolshevik stuff in the House. But now it's done. It's signed. Uh, You know, what do we think? And then we ought to talk about the latest poll, which is uh, pretty grim for the White House. Tony, just a warning, if you want to play with us, that that Murphy has not. No one informed him that the uh, that the Berlin Wall fell. So a lot of his references are nineteen eighties, nineteen eighties references and earlier. But uh, those were mine and Mike's heydays. Yeah, that's what. See, this is a Tony knows all of them because that's why we joined. You know, those, we wanted to fight those guys, commie bastards, uh, Soviet Union. Uh, you know, I know you look at Pravda like Tiger Beat, but some of us are in a different <laughs> different position. But anyway, let, let's get to today. Enough rusty old analogies from me. 
Uh, yeah. So infrastructure, is it enough? Uh, uh, David, why don't you start off here? Well, look, obviously it was a good day in a bunch of bad days uh, for the president. I mean, this is something that he pointed to. It, it is true that at the in the spring, when he was uh, holding out and holding out and saying, we can get a deal, we can get a deal. He was getting taking a lot of spears and arrows and uh, from, from his own team. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of Democrats said, you'll never get a deal. He got a deal. He finally gets to sign the deal. Uh, you know, it was a messy approach. And you're right. I think it should have happened earlier. I, I know another guy who thought it should have happened earlier is Terry McAuliffe. <laughs> who thinks he, yeah, who, yeah, who yeah. lost a narrow race and may have won if they had a little momentum from this uh, uh, going in. The thing about it, guys, that's uh, striking to me is, um, and we should talk about whether it will help Biden uh, in the long run, uh, but I, I saw, you know, I watched Rob Portman up there, the senator from Ohio, talking about, you know, we've struck a blow for bipartisanship, and he made a very strong case for bipartisanship. And I note he's not running for re-election. And the 13 members of the House who voted for this bill have been uh, been targeted by their own, by members of the House caucus. So, you know, it was a strange thing because it was a celebration of bipartisanship when the objective evidence is uh, it's not doing that well. I think there are several questions about this. One is I think this is another example of how Washington becomes infatuated with policy that doesn't necessarily resonate outside of the beltway. Uh, And I know there have been several surveys out there that talk about nationally how popular hard infrastructure is, like voters know what hard infrastructure is of what it means. But beyond that, you know, this election, the upcoming midterm elections is going to be fought, really, the majorities are going to be captured or recaptured, if you will, in several key states. It's not going to be, you know, every state is not going to matter as much as every other state. And I can tell you that I think the the infrastructure bill has several problems. One is it's not really well defined. Just asking it infrastructure, pure yeah, yeah, infrastructure course, without course, anything. It's really not very yeah, well. People defined. think infrastructure is a skin disease, that word. It's the <laughs> stuff inside it. Two, is it too little too late? Okay. In other words, is the die already cast for Biden in terms of his job approval? And voters look at this as you should have gotten this done months ago. You know, this just proves how weak you are. Okay. And three is um the the burning question here is do voters believe that all of this spending whether they like it or not, is going to feed the inflation monster. And that inflation monster continues to grow. Yeah, it's the biggest monster in town right now, politically, no doubt. And if they believe that it's going to feed inflation, and if they believe it's going to feed it, it's not going to help his numbers. It's just not. Well, first of all, on your first point, on your first point, you know, you're absolutely right. And that's the problem with all omnibus kinds of bills uh, because everybody in Washington knows what it is and nobody outside of Washington knows what it is, but they will because now they're going to act, they're going to start spending the money. So the question is when you get that bridge repaired, when you get that road repaired, when you start getting broadband, when you start seeing the, the actual implementation of it. And part of this is going to be uh, how they market it and do people identify like Trump would have the word Trump emblazoned on every 
on every sign, <laughs> by every road, by every bridge. Uh, the question is, will Biden be uh, as audacious? But they're going to have to be pretty aggressive uh, in order to make that sell. I think that it will benefit him if the economy improves. And Tony, part of that is if people feel that the uh, that the inflation, uh, you know, and they don't, by the way, call it inflation when they see their cost of living, living going, on yep. key items going going down or slowing down. If they feel that way a year from now, if people feel the economy is going in the right direction and he can point to certain things that he did, then I think it will benefit him. Will it in and of itself cure his problem? I, I agree. It won't because the problem is these cost of living issues and these well, uh, supply chain issues right now. I think he's got two problems that are reinforcing each other, which is why he's in a pretty dire situation. One, it totally, this inflation thing is becoming the new watchword of the economy. And you see gas prices at the grocery line, you know, real people seeing real cost. I've been harping about inflation, as you will recall, David, for a year now, laughed at, scoffed at. But you can't inject with a, you know, we're already in an asset bubble with these cheap interest rates. And now, the, the fiscal side is, is well, we'll see what the bill is, but it, it's so big. It started, so it's become a real thing out there in politics land. So he's got that policy problem. But the other thing he has, which is the stickiest problem for a president, he's now got a persona problem. He looks weak and detached. The Kabul, whether you're for it or against it, looks sloppy and weak and who's in charge and why didn't they get this all figured out. Then you go, you know, to the, the, all of a sudden, our big diplomatic problem is with France, our oldest ally. He's supposed to be the master of world affairs. Then his own party bucks and a bunch of backbench congressmen say, sit down, uncle. We don't care what you think. We, we got a revolution to do here. So Biden looks like he's old, lost his fastball, and not in control, which, true or not, it's just perception is reality in our business, as you guys know. That's what stuck to him. He doesn't look like a strong leader. He doesn't look in charge. And when people voted to fire Trump, they wanted to fire chaos from the right, uh, and they thought Biden would be sleepy and regular. Well, now we got chaos from the left, at least in domestic policy, with nobody in charge, and that is just poison for Biden. So yeah. it's not only fixing inflation or explaining that Build Back Better is not a chiropractor office or something. <laughs> you know, and you're right about infrastructure. Break it in. Go to the Philly sub and say we're going to fix this shit airport we've got. Right, here. right. But but still. There's a persona way Biden operates that's got to change. He's got to get large and in charge here. If this infrastructure bill is going to help anybody, it's targeted more towards a Biden reelect, should he choose to run in 2024, than it'll impact 2022. And the reason for it is, is unlike my friend David Axelrod, I have very little faith in government being able to roll out a bunch of money in one year, uh, especially since the money has to go from the feds to the state and all the way trickle all the way down. It's just it's just not going to happen that quickly. And people may see stu some stuff happen, but not as much stuff as possible. The other thing I think that Mike is right spot on about Biden is Biden is quickly becoming or has become to some to a, a large number of voters, his mental facilities are seriously under question. And it's kind of like when Jerry Ford kept on tripping everywhere. And in, you know, watching Biden give a speech is the equivalent of watching somebody try to walk across a frozen pond with 
two bags of groceries in there on. You never know if they're going to fall flat on their face and break all the eggs in the bag. You just never know. And that's a joke that voters have caught on to. And that is a real underlying problem, whether or not they think he's kind of fit to do the job. See, now this, this to me is the problem with Republicans, that you would sit there and watch this person walk across the pond with two grocery bags and not <laughs> offer to help is it really says we believe something in self, we believe in self-sufficiency <laughs> no but the the key is we we think the most important thing is that as he walks across the pond he's got to take a route that from a helicopter looks like a big q that's the republican <laughs> point of view <laughs> there's no doubt that you know there is a sense that things are out of control i think that's the basic problem and that plays into the thing that you guys have been trying to run against Biden from the beginning which is this issue of is he in control uh, but a lot of these i mean look Afghanistan is one thing if you look at where his numbers went underwater and where the lines crossed it was in mid august it wasn't just afghanistan it was that COVID. virus the yeah, virus COVID return too. Yep. And, yeah, that, that's uh, the other lesson these days. COVID does you no good, even when it's going down, if you're a politician. You know, you don't get any credit. Well, and it's going up right now, as as some predicted, because of the winter. So, you know, uh, I, I do think psychologically, you know, you had this big celebration on the lawn. It's Independence Day from COVID. And a month later, you know, we're wrestling with the Delta variant. Uh, I think that hurt him a lot. But uh, uh, just a, a point on the... Uh, uh, on the inflation issue. Uh, I actually, you know, uh, Larry Summers is a friend of mine. He's been warning about this, but his warning had to do with the original Rescue Act and the $2,000 checks, which he thought were uh, were over-torquing the economy. And he may have been, he may be proven right uh, right now. There are other issues related to uh, to uh, COVID and supply chains and 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 so on. Uh, Summers did say he didn't feel the two bills that uh, that that the infrastructure bill and the bill that they're considering now are inflationary for reasons I don't. I mean, I he went on length at length about this, but um, the irony of this whole thing is, you know how we got to those two thousand dollar checks? Congress voted for six hundred. A uh, Tony's old client, President Trump who was sitting in the White House and brooding over the election, said, 600, it should be 2,000. And then Democrats picked up on that. And the Democrats in Georgia said, yeah, 2000, we're going to be for $2,000 checks. And that became orthodoxy within the Democratic Party. So, um, you know, it's, it, this is a place where politics intruded on, on, on policy in a way that may, have, that may, may bite Biden in the ass here. Let me argue by exaggeration a key weapon. Of that's the a, that's how you always argue. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Republican, you know, you know me. I'm a crank Trump hating Republican who's fed up with the House guys because they treat the Constitution like toilet paper. But they know how to march in a straight damn line. The squad, my my favorite members of Congress, they all voted against Biden's own damn infrastructure bill. Now, in the Republican Party, here's what we do: we'd strip them of their committees. Or you threaten them with death, is which is what's happening to some of the Republicans who voted for him. Well, no, that's what our grassroots would do. But no, my point is, why doesn't Biden follow the Clinton playbook and pick that fight? He was not elected to be a super woke lefty. He was elected as a guy, no, we're not going to have single-payer health care. I'm a center D. Why not get back to what, what helped get him there? And, and because one of the biggest problems I've made, at least in perception, 
is that Biden has lurched to the scary place on the left, way away from where suburban voters thought he was in the election. And why did he give up that franchise? And why not get it back with a fight to show he's got a little little zip in it? I don't know. He may want to pick that fight, Mike, but I don't know that I'd pick it over the infrastructure bill. I mean, he had he got first of all, he got virtually all the members of the, the six people voted against it in the whole Democrat caucus. And most of the people who call themselves progressives voted for the infrastructure bill. That would not be the place I would pick the fight. If you know, if you're going to pick a fight, maybe you'd pick it. Maybe you pick it on the policing issue, may, or, you know, and strike the kind of balance that Eric Adams is striking in New York. Or- yeah, yeah, no, no, I agree. But the fight is the key thing because Biden needs a fight. Yeah. I think the show he's, you know, alive. Biden needs to triangulate. Well, I think you guys are saying the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ideologically, right. The fight yeah. is the triangulation. I mean, yeah. he ought to sound a little more like Manchin because Manchin, I think, is quarter to the, closer to a lot of the voters that helped elect Biden than uh, AOC is. I mean, he gets all those votes for free. Okay, then let's take a break right here and we'll be right back. You know, David, your friends and I, on a serious note, recently had a meeting, and frankly, we're concerned about you because we think you might have joined a cult. Your eyes are glassy, and we bring up important national issues, and all you want to talk about is your damn mattress. What's going on? Yeah, man, I'm in love with my mattress. You know, one of the bennies of this cool job that we have doing this podcast is every once in a while, people offer you samples of things. I got a big sample of a helix mattress and you know out of obligation i said sure i'll I'll try it they sent it and it was heaven man it was heaven and i i'm not a great sleeper and now i sleep really well because of this mattress because it's it's basically suited for me it is it is you know you take this quiz they send and they send you a mattress that fits your particular needs so i love it yeah, I noticed uh, Mr. Charles Helix is now on the Chicago voter rolls, too. So you're taking full, <laughs> full opportunity. Look, we know what's great about the Helix mattress. They do it like a campaign. They actually talk to you before they send you a mattress yeah. to make sure they, they send poll you. you. And you, you take a two-minute poll, a quiz, and then they can dial in to make sure that the mattress they send you is tweaked to the requirements you have to have a great night's sleep. It's really, really pretty cool. And also, you don't have to have the, the opera we've had which is you, you got, you know, a weightlifting team pulling a mattress up the stairs, knocking the pictures over and all that. It's compressed in this box, so you just pull the pin, step back, and the thing unpacks itself. It's pretty amazing. It is, you know, and what they get is, like, we're all different. We're not all the same. Everybody has different preferences. Everybody has different needs. So they have soft, they have medium and firm mattresses. Mattresses great for cooling you down if you sleep. A hot mattress is great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains, which is becoming more and more relevant to me. Oh, and me too. even a, a Helix Plus mattress for plus size sleepers. So it's really great. If you're looking for a mattress, it's simple. You just take the quiz, order the mattress, and it's shipped right to your door for free. But you don't need to take our word for it. We're politicians. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution 
for improving your sleep. So do what David did. Yeah, actually, I'm running. I'm running their uh, campaign next year for the GQ and Wired magazine number one mattress. Uh, so that's how I'd be nowhere to go but down it. now. But you're you're emotionally involved. You're connected. I it's am. a great product. So do it. Go to HelixSleep.com/hacks for this exceptional product. Take their two minute quiz. They'll match you up and send you a mattress with a 10-year warranty and get this. You get to try this fantastic product out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Yeah, and you know what? Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans, so you don't have to lose sleep about paying for the mattress. A great night's sleep is never far away. And Helix is offering up to $200, Murphy, off of Mm. all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash hacks. That's helixsleep.com slash hacks. This idea that people like your old client, Mike, uh, Fred Upton in Michigan, uh, should be called a socialist, a communist, and threatened by uh, socialist and communist by his colleagues who are discussing taking action against them, uh, against Upton and his 13 and his 12 other colleagues for voting for roads and bridges for their community. And in Upton's case, for, for new pipes. For Benton Harbor, where people can't drink the water because the pipes are so uh, are so corroded uh, and dangerous, uh, corroded with lead. I mean, I, if I were Biden, that's a fight I'd pick too. I would oh, go totally. right after the Republican Party on that. And 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 Kevin McCarthy, who sat silently, totally. I'd sick the FBI on all of them. I mean, I yeah, I, I I'm I'm with you. But the point I think we all agree on is Biden needs some fights here. And he needs triangulation to get back into the center left because he's his perceptions being painted by the bunch of loud social media artists in the house. But yeah, look, the Upton thing drives me crazy. I told Fred, why don't you invite him to a town hall meeting and bring a shotgun? Let's meet this guy. Um, I'm joking, of course. I would never advocate violence against an insane constituent. Our producer Allison Siegel is getting out the uh, she's getting out the razor right now to slice your <laughs> your bit right out of this. Right out of the show. I got another one for you, Ellison. Two priests, a rabbi, and a duck. All right, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Tony. What? 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 What happens? I mean, now Trump has promised he is telling think, that joke. So the priest, the rabbi. No, no, no. Yeah, don't yeah, tell. No, no, don't encourage him. In the after hours. Don't encourage thing. him. He doesn't need that. We don't need that. Uh, uh, let me ask you though, Tony, about about Republican politics. Mm-hmm. As you poll it today, I mean, Trump is now uh, threatening to purge every of one of the 13 Republicans who voted for the infrastructure bill. And in fact, he endorsed a guy in West Virginia yesterday against another incumbent who were going to be in the same district because apparently he voted for the infrastructure bill. I mean, mm-hmm. what what are the politics of that? First of all, do people follow him? Will he then I mean, has this become a thing? Voting for the infrastructure bill, is this an impeaching thing for Republicans now? It is very unpopular with Republicans. The more he talks about it, the more unpopular it will become. Certainly, he's lost the major part of his megaphone, not having Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. But 
um, he still has a following. They talk about him. He still has a major following. They still talk about him on Fox. They talk about it on Newsmax. They talk about it on OAN. They write about it on, you know, Breitbart. All of these outlets that carry it, even though he's not getting the same face time on ABC, CBS, NBC, they're not necessary for him to get messages to his followers and to the faithful and the grassroots. And so the more he talks about it, the more these people are going to be in trouble. I mean, the infrastructure bill, because it was Biden's to begin with, was problematic, okay, because of the highly polarized nature of the politics here. But Trump standing on top of it and, you know, pointing a finger and saying this is bad only makes it worse. And, and it could be very defining for several of these members. Yeah, we're, we're so tribal now that everything is a thing. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the tragedy of it. I mean, Biden could cure cancer tomorrow and 40% of the country would say, nah, you know, Biden, some phony. It's just, there's no, it, everybody's, well, not everybody, but a massive amount of on our side, the party is just aligned to this team thing. It's Red Sox, Yankees. So, you know, the other side is going to be wrong. So what does that do? In the, well, I guess I'm asking a practical political question. I understand that's the internal dynamic of the Republican Party. What does that mean for general elections where they're, you're in a swing state or a, a swing district? Well, the key will be Youngkin, who's a special duck because he didn't have a primary, but he, he was able to move the suburbs back because it wasn't about Trump. You know, he ran the good old Republican governor race we've all run in the past that works pretty well. In the federal races, Trump gets more interjected because it's more about the Washington fight. So I think the Democrats in the House, I think they're cooked. But in the Senate, the, and the Republicans have potentially a candidate problem. In Pennsylvania, the, the, the one that I think is really important, especially now that uh, uh, New Hampshire's there's no Sununu, so the A-plus candidate's gone. Uh, the suburbs, the Dems have a way to probably move them back. But if you got a national tidal wave, you know, of just time to punish Biden, man, it it just it eliminates a lot of your options to move around with a federal campaign in your in your district. But that'll be the fight. Will the Trump ooh creepy Republican hate of the suburbs overwhelm their economic worry about the left wing stuff and their their hunger to punish Biden? And that's what the next year is about, that jump off. I think that, you know, 2018 was about punishing Trump. Okay. 2010 was about punishing Obama. 2014 was about punishing Obama. 2006 was about punishing Bush. I think 2022 is going to be about punishing Biden. The question is, how bad is the punishment going to be at this juncture? And without Trump on the ballot, even though he is a voice out there and he will be a leader of the Republican Party and continues to be, the fact of the matter is it will be Biden that they're reacting to more than Trump. And regardless of what anybody says, and 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 I know uh I know that you know Trump didn't go in and campaign and all the rest of it in, in Virginia, but you know, Terry McAuliffe spent millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars trying to link Glenn Youngkin to Donald Trump. And the fact of the matter is one of the most telling numbers out of the exit polling in in Virginia, if you believe the exit polling, is that almost one in five Trump disapprovers voted for Glenn Youngkin. So, I mean, the strategy didn't work. But Murphy uh, Murphy made the right point. In that race, Youngkin very smartly 
said, hey, I'm talking about local issues. I'm talking about schools and I'm talking about various other issues of local concern. And this guy is talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about the future and I have an economic plan for the state. He's talking about Donald Trump. And I think that that was an effective strategy. The question is, can you do that in a national race? Uh, I mean, I agree with you. It's harder when Trump is not on the ballot. Harder than when he's not on the ballot. What was the Democrats' message in 18, other than just being anti-Trump? They didn't have a plan. And health care. Well, he was president of the United States then. He was president of the United States. The same thing will work for us. (laughs) When when he's not at the top of the ticket, the real world cares less about him. In primary world, it's the tribal fight. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to artificially put him there. He wasn't at the top of the ticket, though, in 2018. He wasn't on the ballot. But he was president. He, I, I, think, I think the Dems underestimate how much in the, in the daily public debate Trump has faded from the scene. In the Republican Party and that social media, he's still powerful. It's the tribal test, tragically. But out, out there in regular voter world, Trump is kind of last year's thing. And now there's this interesting. And there's, I'll just tell you, if, if the Democrats were to come to Tony and I and ask really nicely, there's one thing they don't get, and, and Tony said this magic word early in the podcast. We both came up with the politics of this world. And the Democrats always roll their eyes, oh, that's not an issue. We just need a better bumper sticker. But spending, spending is a thing with voters, and that's back now. That, that's, that's what's bubbling through because all they hear is how many trillion this, how many trillion right, that. Right, And that, that is a lie. And that, and that is uh, one of... Uh Biden's tasks and the tasks of the Democratic Party. And guys, I'm not arguing that Dems aren't in a tough spot in 2022. History would suggest that on the Natch, even if there weren't these other factors, it would be a hard thing. As Tony points out, that's the habit of voters to to punish whoever is in the White House in midterm elections. So that's that's the headwinds that they start with. But Biden also has his his task is going to be to deconstruct well, I've said it a million times on this podcast. When you're dealing with these bills, the parts are greater than the sum. If you pull on the parts, the parts yep. are very popular. And the Absolutely. question is, can Democrats deconstruct them? All right, let's take a minute to hear from one of our esteemed sponsors. You know, Axe, I've noticed that our compadre Robert Gibbs has been stepping out at night a little bit, carrying a big toolbox. And frankly, I'm worried (laughs) he's pulling jobs again, and he knows both of our addresses. Well, luckily, our friends at Simply Safe are giving our listeners early access to their Black Friday deals to get that home security system with Gibbs on the prowl you're going to need. Get this, 50% off their award-winning home security. Wow. You and I love Simply Safe because it has everything you need to make your home safe. Indoor and outdoor cameras, comprehensive sensors, all of them monitored around the clock by trained professionals who send help the instant you need it. Yeah, I mean, the great thing about this, Mike, is it's really easy to use. And now they've added this camera dimension, so you have outdoor security as well as security in the house. It gives you a sense of well-being. And it's one of the reasons why Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2021 by U.S. News and World Report. You can easily customize the system for your home online in minutes and even get free custom recommendations from Simply Safe. These are Simply Safe's biggest discounts of the year. Perfect for the holidays. You can get a complete home security system starting at just over a hundred dollars. There are no long-term contracts or commitments. It truly is a, an easy way to start feeling a bit more peace of mind. 
Take advantage of Simply Safe's early Black Friday deals and get 50% half off your new home security system by visiting simplysafe.com slash hacks. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash hacks for 50% off your entire system. Remember, Gibbs is on the loose. Yes, scary. Tony's an expert on Donald Trump. He's worked for Donald Trump. Uh, I got to ask this question. You know, Youngkin had the advantage of not just not running in a primary, but he had so much money he could put an electric fence all around the state of Virginia to keep Donald Trump out. Uh, Are you going to be able to keep Donald Trump out of these races? Is he really going to be satisfied uh, to sit on the sidelines and not be a visible part of these elections? Have the story be again, they ran around Trump. Uh, They avoided Trump. And that was a winning strategy. It doesn't seem like that's part of his psychological makeup. I think, first of all, there's so many races at play and he'll still issue his endorsements and he'll still do his teletown halls and all the rest of it. But he's he's not going to run all over the country. Uh, He's just not. I don't don't think you're going to see him doing that. Um, And I think more importantly than anything else to him is is having his candidates win their general, like their primaries and then their general elections. And the ones he endorses, if that, you know, the, the number he keeps score of that, trust me, he keeps score of how many primaries. Oh, I, he wins. I do, but I believe you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And so, you know, at the end of the day, if, you know, January 2023, there is a Republican majority in the House and there is a Republican majority in the Senate. He will feel he is better positioned should he ultimately choose to run in 2024. Now, the question is, who leads those who leads those chambers? That'll be a question. That'll be the next fight. But, you know, we'll, we'll, well see hold on there, because I want to ask you a question. It's my favorite question. Kevin McCarthy is in a consistent prone position relative to Trump doing everything he can to cater to Trump now. Do you think it's a slam dunk that Trump will be for Kevin McCarthy for speaker? I think uh, I don't. I don't think anything's yeah, a slam dunk. It, it, I don't think anything's a slam dunk. Number the one. The question is, will the conference be for Kevin McCarthy? That's a number one. Nothing's a slam dunk. But Mike just said number two. I think one of the things that will be true is I think that whatever hold Donald Trump has over the conference now, it is likely to be stronger come twenty twenty two after the twenty twenty. Yeah. So who he's for matters. Yeah. Exactly my point. So you know. I think Kevin McCarthy is going to have to walk that tightrope all the way through the election for speaker. And I don't think I don't think anybody knows other than Donald Trump which way he'll go. And I don't think he knows right now which way he'll go. I think part of it, too, will be if the the expect expectations and to some extent the opportunity is high enough that if the Repubs take the House, but only by four or five votes, I think McCarthy is probably toast. Not certainly because he is a very good concierge speaker. You know, you want a Snickers bar, ask Kevin, you get a Snickers bar. But if they if they win by 10, 12, if it's a big, good day, then McCarthy's position gets a lot stronger. And Trump will probably just say, well, rather than try to knock him off and risk a loss, I'll just claim credit and say, yeah, and my puppy here did a great job of standing next to me. But we're see it's Trump. You see, I see it up. Op- I see, see it opposite. Tony's saying the I, other, the I other say thing. I say it's opposite. Yeah, Trump Actually, army wins, Trump dictates. Then, then McCarthy gets the Snickers. I see McConnell having a better chance of surviving than McCarthy. 
if 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 Trump decided to go after both of them, I see McConnell have the better chance of surviving just by the nature of how the Senate right, the works caucus. versus the House yeah. works. Yeah, no, I agree with and that. And because you see it now, even even people who are committed Trump Senate, you know, committed supporters in the Senate, they don't stray far from Mitch. You know what I'm saying? They just yeah. don't stray far from him. And so, what's a different dynamic too? Trump's less powerful in the Senate. There, there are more either secret or semi-secret Trump haters in the Senate than there are in the. It, I, I I totally agree with that. And they all see themselves as presidents, future presidents. <laughs> yeah, well, that that comes with the job, you yeah. know. They, so, David, to your question about Trump in the general election, I don't think Trump can ever trump so to speak biden because biden's a president mm-hmm. but trump will interject himself particularly as tony says in those races he and that's pretty good news for the democrats in a purple state you know right the, where trump's real grip will be is he will have a material effect on who the republicans nominate yes and you're going to have a couple of slapco cement heads that <laughs> win primaries thanks to trump and screw this is in the state don't talk about tony's maybe. clients that way <laughs> no no but it <laughs> You know, Dr. Oz, for God knows. So that is where Trump could have a powerful indirect effect in a few places. But, you know, Tony and I, we've all been through these tidal wave elections where the little stuff like, well, you know, Trump called this guy a patriot, but Trump was for January 6th. Blah, blah, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, that's complicated. I, I already voted against that guy, Trump. I'm going to vote against Biden now. Right. now. That's the real story here. We have turned the American electorate or it has turned itself or pop culture somehow We've gone from an electorate that's kind of like a Labrador retriever. you got to really squeeze its tail to piss it off to an <laughs> El pit bull. And every two years it has to bite somebody. Yeah, And, you know, it, it, here we are. Um, and so guess what the pit bull's going to do? It's going to bite somebody. And the guy to bite now is whoever's in charge, and that's Biden. It's very depressing. Okay, let's take a break right here for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Hey, Axe, you know, it's never too early to start gift shopping for the holidays, especially because today there's a sale. We love our listeners. Yes. You can say big on a gift they use every day. Raycon wireless earbuds. You know, there are a lot of earbuds out there, but I had a pair of these Raycons. Well, let's just say they fell off the truck for me when we signed them up as a sponsor. And I was a little worried because I have other earphones I like, and I wasn't sure. But I'll tell you, these things are great. They have seamless Bluetooth pairing and a comfortable noise-isolating fit so you can start listening right away and keep listening for hours. The audio quality is really amazing. It's really good, really clear. What I love is the battery life. It has eight hours of playtime, and the little charging case you carry them around has a 32-hour battery life. So my big worry is I'm on a plane next to some chatty person who wants to argue about <laughs> Hillary Clinton, and I yeah. plug in my earphones. But All right, I'll go across the aisle next time, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm it's sorry. so good. I was at our house the other day, and we have two folks who work with us, and they dropped by. One of them said, you know, I bought something from one of your ads on Hacks on Tap, and I thought, God, I'm going to get punched out again. This could be bad. But no, my friend Gary said, I bought these uh, Raycon earbuds, and I love them. They're fantastic. Thanks so much. So I can give you a real endorsement from the real world in addition to my use of them. They're great. And and the good news is it's holiday season, so you can get something that people will actually use for calls or music, for work or play at home or on the go. So pick up a pair yourself. Trust Mike Murphy. You're going to use them every day. 
And so all you got to do and to take advantage of this great offer for the Hackaroos is go to buyraycon.com slash hacks today to unlock exclusive deals. Get this, up to 20% off your Raycon order. It's amazing. They're wow. the new Santa Claus. But hurry, this offer is available for a limited time only, and you don't want to miss it. That's buyraycon.com slash hacks to unlock up to 20% off your Raycons. By Raycon, B-U-I-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash hacks. Let me ask you a question about a, something that conceivably could be a factor in a general election, and that is the issue of abortion rights. The post poll that had Biden at, sitting at 38% of, of approval among all voters, 41 among registered, uh, also um, had overwhelming majorities for uh, in favor of Roe versus Wade, Wade, overwhelming majorities, including like half the Republicans uh, against this Texas uh, abortion law. The Supreme Court's going to rule on this uh, sometime next year. Uh, do you guys, uh, and you know, we always talk about abortion as an, as a decisive issue. It, it, it rarely is. Uh, do you guys think that this is something that could bring some of these suburban women who, for example, went for uh, Glenn Youngkin in Virginia back to the, back to the Democratic side? It's a tool. I don't know if it's overwhelming, though. I mean, in some of those suburban places, one, the Democrats will raise a quick extra $100 million. Uh, it'll rile up their suburban grassroots. So, yeah, yeah, it does. The question is also, you know, how scary the Democrats are in economic policy to suburban college-educated women. And they've been veering, as you look in Virginia, there's some scare out there. But it, it is a powerful tool, but I don't think it'll drive the whole election. To me, it doesn't surprise me what the numbers were uh, in the post-poll on, on abortion. Um, I think that, and, and not, it doesn't surprise me what the numbers were among Republicans, frankly, because there is a segment of the Republican party that's against abortion in all cases, but there is a segment of the party that is, that would allow abortions in the case of rape, incest, health of the mother, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's kind of gradations. So it doesn't surprise me. I do think, however, that if the Supreme court right now, what's happened in Texas most voters see that as a localized thing. That's Texas. That's not going to happen here. You know what I'm saying? But if it yeah. happens nationally, I see that as for the longest, for, for several years, abortion really hasn't been, uh, you know, uh, at the front of the line in terms of issues that have been fought over uh, in, in elections. It's been many other issues that have been at the forefront. I see it, you know, quickly moving up that ladder because we know that it is certainly a tool that helps motivate Democrat-based voters, and it helps motivate Republican-based voters. The question becomes, do our voters feel like they got a big win and it actually cools their ardor to vote, and does it actually juice up what Democrat turnout would be? Because I'll tell you right now, if you look at New Jersey and you look at Virginia yeah, and you look at the makeup yeah, of the Big turnout in Republican base. That's right. Exactly. And that is the biggest, that should be the biggest fear that Democrats have, is that Democrats have cooled significantly with Trump out of the White House. Youngkin is hard to duplicate, but there's a he's really the perfect hybrid strategy because he gets all the Trump rural vote on tribalism. I'll punish those damn Democrats. And then he's not threatening to suburbanites. 
because uh, yeah. Trump's not glued to his hip and everything. H- hard to repeat, but you know, to the extent the Repubs can get away with that, they're they're going to do really well. You know, one thing, Mike, that I would disagree on is I don't think that 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 uh, Youngkin won those suburban women because of concern about democratic economic policy. I think he won them over uh, issues like uh, like the schools and parental involvement in the schools. I, I, I think you're appending your own uh, views on, on these voters. I think if you look at the Virginia results, 80% of what happened in Virginia was thanks to Joe Biden. You know, 90% of what happened in New Jersey was thanks to Joe Biden. Yeah. I think Glenn Youngkin ran a good race. I think McAuliffe ran a lousy race. I think when McAuliffe went to that microphone and basically said, oh, yeah, teachers should decide, not parents. It was the caricature yeah. of what Democrats were being defined as big government. With- no, I agree that that's my point. I don't think that it was I don't think it was economic issues. I think it was that issue as much as any. But, but let me let me explain why I come to that thing. It's a carom shot because it's the economic fear that's hurting. It's part of what's hurting Biden because the left's taking mm-hmm. over his party and the Biden number's going down. I mean, I have a friend who worked for McCall, a very smart guy, and was like, you know, and would say this: these Biden numbers are killing us. Mm-hmm. No, there's no doubt. There's no doubt so about that. So it was a carom shot, but it had a huge effect, I think, on the suburbs. There's no doubt about that. But I think that that was as much to do with what you guys postulated in the beginning, which was the sense that he was not... Uh, that he wasn't effective, that he wasn't in control, that you know there there were no there was no infrastructure bill, there was no reconciliation bill, there was not. I mean, I think that there, it was more a sense of things were out of control. He was not in control uh, as much as anything else. But listen, there's another aspect of this that I want to talk about. A uh, lot of stories have popped up in the last few uh, days and and weeks about Kamala Harris. And uh, there was a big takeout on the CNN that got a lot of circulation. Yeah, and none of them are good. There hasn't been a good Kamala Harris process story since the a week after she was inaugurated. And the CNN's thing is something else. It's war and peace all about dysfunction. And, you know, to your point, it's been a rough time. Yeah. So I was I was intrigued that the, the administration was in there. Ron Klain was in there. Strong statement of support for Kamala Harris. The basic complaint of her supporters in this piece was that she hasn't been given, uh, you know, assignments that would give her a chance to to really succeed. Uh, basically, they've handed her these these kind of broken down jalopies that you can't drive. You know the, the you know fix the fix yeah, yeah the, she's fix a the board. Yeah, Biden hasn't done enough for her. That that's the argument. Maybe she's the broken wheel. But go ahead. Yeah, although no one said that in that piece, interestingly, it was... They didn't call me. (laughs) No, no, I know. I think people are reluctant to say it, but... Now, this is where we get mail, by the way. I've been a Kamala critic as a campaigner, et cetera, from her her primary race on, though I thought she was a little stronger as a general election candidate than I expected, so this is where I'll get all You're just still bitter about the Gina Raimondo thing, but... You know, if Gina Raimondo was vice president, (laughs) America would be a utopia (laughs) right now. But here's the point I wanted to make about the interesting thing about the signing yesterday was uh, at the same time that he signed the bill, president named Mitch Landrew, your fellow fellow at the uh, yes. University of Chicago Institute of Politics this fall, named him as the essentially the White House infrastructures are to play the role that he played as vice president when uh, when Obama passed the 
Recovery Act. And, uh, you know, it didn't get much note, but I mean, I think Mitch is a splendid choice. I think Mitch will do a great job. But, um, you know, I, I, you, you have to ask the question, well, why, if you were the VP and took that job, why wouldn't you give that same job to your VP? Well, that's, that's an excellent question, number one. Number two, <laughs> why wouldn't you give it to your Secretary of Transportation? Yeah, well, I think that he that's another thing because uh, I'm sure that he will be deeply involved. Buttigieg is, 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 is uh, you know, manifestly co- competent guy and their their best communicator. But And, and uh, just parenthetically, he's obsessing on the thing that made me happy because I'm obsessed about it. Why can the French build infrastructure at 40% or less of our cost? And Buttigieg is upset. The old McKinsey guy can't resist. So I think I think he will, being politically ambitious, he'll play that piano right for the bill and for himself. But but you're right. You're right about the VP. Murphy's about to slip into his freedom fries thing. He just can't stand the French. I love the French. Are you kidding? You heard me on the submarine thing. I my point is I hate overpriced infrastructure. That's what I hate. <laughs> but think about this: there is nobody that knows how to make a vice president irrelevant other than a former vice president. So this, whatever the Biden administration does or does not do for Kamala Harris, you cannot assume that it's an innocent mistake. They know what they're doing. Totally. And so if they're purposely putting her on the bench, they're doing it for a reason. Biden's been there, done that. Yeah, exactly. We've all been there where you're in the meeting and all right, infrastructure, who's the pilot? Well, Buttigieg will run the department sharp, but we can't give this to Kamala. And so for, we can't. And they all look at each other and they kind of nod because there's been staffed, all the stuff that's leaking out. And so Biden, of course, says, will get me a Paul. And somebody who's actually had, you know, and so they get a, a former mayor who really knows how to operate and Mitch. And yeah. I, I totally get it. But it is, it's it, sometimes, you know, the, the turtle's a turtle. They, 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 this thing is too big to give to her because they don't have faith in her abilities. They'll never say that, but that's what, you know, the actions speak louder than the, the leaks. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the reaction to that from her Parsons, because I think you're going to hear it. Tony, uh, the answer to your question, though, on the transportation sector, I mean, uh, uh, secretary issue is that uh, you need someone in the White House when you're dealing with a big, big program like this that crosses a bunch of different departments and agencies. You need someone who's going to ride herd over the whole thing and these local governments from the White House and oversee it from the White House. And what he's saying is, with this appointment, this is important enough that I want someone who's spending full time thinking just about implementation across all these agencies. Uh, it, it made sense to me. And, uh, but I do think there's going to be some dust up uh, about that. Hey, we're going to go to mail in a minute, you guys. But oh, I, well, there's a huge WTF topic. You you want to do your thing, and I'll do that. We get to mail. No, go g- give me your WTF. What is Christie trying to do here? Chris, yeah, that Christie was my WTF. Okay, man. well then we you got stole a my WTF. WTF. <laughs> All right. Wow. So I mean, I know what he's thinking, but I'd love to hear Tony's take as somebody. Uh, uh, who probably knows Christie and obviously knows Trump. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been asked about this a number of times. And uh, I, I think, you know, what I see Chris Christie doing here is he's kind of like the quarterback that falls back in the pocket and all of his receivers are really covered well. And he just, at the last minute, just has no choice but to throw the ball towards the end zone and yeah. hope that one of his receivers get there. His hope here is, is that he uh, wants to set the stage that if, in fact, 
the time comes that the Republican Party starts to move past Donald Trump by the time 2023, 2024 comes around, that he has positioned himself as not the never Trumper, although that's what's happening to him. Right. He doesn't realize that's what happened. He's trying to do the French vanilla thing where the votes are the move beyond Trumper. Right. And so, but what he doesn't realize is, is that he, uh, by doing that, He's actually only emboldening other people that would join him in challenging Trump. In yeah, no, it's interesting. He's creating a category. Yeah, so that's yeah. the bet he's making is that all the the Trump acolytes will be on one side of the fight and that he will he can consolidate the support among the the the, the other Republicans. He, the, 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 let's call him the Yunkin Republican. Well, well, think of your Christie. You, you sit there and you think, all right, I want to be president. Step one. Step two is I got nothing. I got no Trump base. And last time when I ran, is an inconvenient fact, nobody voted for me. I got wiped out everywhere. And I've got no money base. And I'm not an incumbent. I got nothing. I'm going to get lost in the shuffle. I'm, I'm going to be the new uh, um, uh, Dennis Kucinich. So I might as well pull the pin here and pick a fight with Trump uh, and elevate myself. I'll try to be clever about it and say, I don't want to trash him. We just need to move beyond, which from an interesting survey Tony did of the Republican Party, there's a decent chunk. It's bigger than the, the hate Trump chunk that I'm in. We're a small but elite army. So, and so he's making a bet to go from dead to probably going to lose but be somebody. And, and by doing it early, he filled that vacuum. The problem is, I agree, he's going to encourage others. So now he'll have a primary for the losing share. He also kind of crossed this bridge, crossed this Rubicon uh, on November, whatever the day was after the election, November 4th, uh, because yeah. he was very early on the fact that Trump had lost the election, and he was pretty outspoken about it. And as Tony has educated me, that's an impardonable sin uh, with the base. So you know, he, he is uh, he is where he is, and I think he's trying to make the most of where he is. Trying to make chicken salad? But it, but it's the only move. You know, might as well be somebody if the future changes, because you know you're dead if the future doesn't change anyway. But I think Mike makes a very important point, and that is about having no base and no real money and no prospects of raising real money. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that, that's very, very important because, let's face it, I mean, Donald Trump is sitting there right now with 150 million or more sitting in his associated packs that pretty much most all of it could be transferred to a presidential campaign like that if he wanted to. And they're not finished raising money. You know, they'll continue to raise a ton of money. And all the rest of these people, regardless of the major donors they have, the Paul Singers or whatever the case may be, you know, Trump. May may not be the best high dollar fundraiser, but man, do they have a tremendous low dollar operation that just continues to pour money and more money and more money. One thing I'm one thing I would uh, pay to see is a one on one debate between those guys. They'll never get that. But uh, I remember, uh, I mean, Christie and Marco Rubio in that debate in New Hampshire when he reduced Rubio to a pile of rubble just for the sport of it. Uh, so <laughs> well, I that mean, that is another reason that for Christie to stick his head out now, and if Trump starts attacking him, there's nobody better to go wrestle with Trump and do a name calling contest than Christie. So at least, you know, I don't think he's in a strong position for all the things we're all saying. But if if anybody could engage in a Trump slappy fight right now and be interesting, it's Christie. So that'll at least be entertaining. Speaking of entertaining, how about some mail? 
All right, if you've got a question for the hacks on tap, what do you got to do? You got to type into your Google on that interweb, kids. Just send us an email at hacksontap at gmail.com, hacksontap at gmail.com. And while I'm doing shameless plugs, don't forget to sign up for the free Hacks on Tap newsletter twice a week. Everybody reads it. It is free. Can you believe it? It's free. Gives and I do it. All you got to do is go to hacksontap.bulletin.com, hacksontap.bulletin.com. All right, question one for Farmer Tony. From Joyce, since the new Republican activism appears to be grounded in rural counties, why don't I ever hear Democrats bring up the farm bill? Doesn't almost every rural voter partake in some way with these, quote, socialist, unquote, provisions? Farmer Tony, what do you say? Well, (laughs) Farmer Tony, who just finished tending the back 40 or the lower 40, (laughs) says that um joyce is that is that the person yes 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 joyce joyce has figured out the hypocrisy of the farm right and and she uses the s word yes socialism yes joyce while your question is insightful it misses a very important point and that is the surge in republicanism in rural area rural areas is actually based more on values than it's based on economics in, in lots of respects in fact if you look the states of Mississippi, Louisiana, and Kentucky have among the highest levels of people who receive government aid, Medicaid, various forms of government assistance, welfare, et cetera, et cetera. And yet they're among the most Republican states when it comes to presidential yeah. voting. Yeah. So there is not necessarily that correlation that everybody thinks. Now, might it help in a congressional race, you know, if one person is for the farm bill and the other isn't? But at the end of the day, uh, you're going to be hard pressed to find rural Republicans talking about how the farm bill is socialism. So I don't think it's going to help the Democrats much to do that. It's a values thing more than anything else. So Mike Murphy, someone named Clark uh, asks, in terms of the reconciliation bill, that's the big bill that's being considered by Democrats now in Congress, would it be better to fund a handful of popular programs well for 10 to 15 years instead of the whole kitchen sink for one to six years? Yes, yes, yes. Um, it would be much better instead of, well, a 3.1 trillion laundry list of priorities from every sub-caucus in the Democratic Party that nobody understands, the free child care bill. Uh, because then it brands itself and you can actually fight on the candy, not on the shipping logistics of a candy freight car of many different kinds of candy. The problem is the way the legislative process works and the kind of democratic nature to run a, a small C corporatist party like the PRI down in Mexico, where every interest group has a seat at the table and we divide it up. It's essentially impossible for them to do that. I mean, this is one of the things that's going to get wonky about the infrastructure bill as the Democrats start to do the politics better to sell the popular parts, the Republicans with the Fox News megaphone are going to find a few things in there that people are going to hate. You know, psychic dog training or, you know. That provision dropped out, by the way. Okay, but you know there's stuff in there that is going to be a thing. And it would be much better to to pick two incredibly popular things and pound those nails. But that's just not how they do it. This has been a pretty uh, active debate within the party leadership in Congress uh, because there are people who articulate your view. But in order to get everybody on board, you know, it's everybody gets a, a, a seat on the on the plane. And, and it does right. create it does create some uh, messaging challenges. I, I would say what you call candy actually 
is important to a lot of people, like the ability to get childcare and afford it is pretty important to people, the ability to uh, get a healthcare worker to come into the home and help your aging parent is important to people. Drug pricing. And drug pricing is hugely important to people. There's a lot of stuff in here that could be very, very potent politically because it's very, very potent in terms of uh, helping people in their lives. That's why I call it candy. It's so popular, but I'm not diminishing the fact that people <laughs> find these problems I thought helpful. you were diminishing it. <laughs> no, no, because they need these programs to be well-rounded, productive, well-educated adults to spend a life toiling under the national debt we're creating. But that's another topic. Um, now, this is a great one for David from Sean. David, I'm chairman-elect, so this is a guy on the go with ideas, Sean is. I'm chairman-elect of my city's Young Democratic Organization. You probably remember your days of Adlai Stevenson as a young man. I was wondering what... Yeah, the first, the vice president back in the 19th century. Well, Tony and I started with Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> what message you think is the most resonant to get young Dems to actually turn in their ballots in local and off-year elections. I hope he's not talking about Chicago because the ballots turn themselves in. Raise the stakes. No, how, how to get folks to participate, young folks. Raise the stakes with talk of climate change affecting our city, question mark. Maybe guilt them into voting. This guy's got a future in politics <laughs> with social pressure language. Tell me, tell me, Oswami. Well, these are not, uh, first of all, uh, first of all, Sean, congratulations on your yeah, on, exactly. your, on your new position and in participating. Uh, I, you know, I, I am the director of the Institute of Politics at the University of Chicago. And, uh, the thing that keeps me hopeful about the future are people like you who are, uh, who are willing to get involved. And I mean that across the, the, the spectrum, young people are uh, inspiring, uh, me and, and others who are looking for, for hope. So good for you on that. This is a task that we at the IOP talk about all the time. We have a, a, a an organization called Ushai Votes, and it's dedicated to it's a student run group dedicated to getting young people to register and vote. And I think that um, you want to uh, in 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 an off year election. Uh, like in a local election, you should focus on local issues. And, you know, like here, our students are very much uh, interested in issues in the city. And we're going to have a municipal race in 2023. And I think that will, you know, I think we'll see a lot of participation. But there's huge issues. Uh, uh, there's huge interest in national issues. Climate change is being uh, as being one of them. And, uh, yeah, I think you got to push those hard. Uh, with your students. The whole thing is figuring out what motivates uh, your constituencies and uh, or your constituency and go out and hammer that and hammer that and hammer that. But social pressure is good too. One of the devices that has be been very effective uh, is because people are so attached to their social media, you have a way to communicate uh, with those young people um, about these issues and have them communicate with each other, uh, their friends and uh, associates uh, about the importance of voting. And I would, uh, I would very much put a program together around that. Murphy. No, I agree. I think that's excellent, Sean. Congratulations. And at this point, having heard four mentions of the extremely worthy University of Chicago Institute of Politics, <laughs> on which I serve the board, uh, available uh, on their website, I should add that the University of Southern California Institute of Politics, where I'm the co-director, 
we just won the whatever the hell it is prize for having the highest voter registration on campus. So the gauntlet is thrown. Next year, let's have a let's have a challenge. Chicago pizza versus uh, something delicious from Southern California uh, over uh, a registration drive. And, and equally lethal. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Sean, go get them. I like the enthusiasm of our chairman elect. And one final note, uh, we've been called turkeys so often that we thought we'd better lie low next week during Thanksgiving week. So there won't be an episode of Hacks next week, Hackaroos, but we will return the week after and we wish you and yours a very happy, healthy holiday. All right, man. I think that does it. Tony, thank you. Tony, come back often. We want to check in with you. Yep. uh, Just have Allison reach out. If I can do it, I'll do it, guys. It's always a pleasure. And Tony, let me let me ask you for a plug, because I love that survey in the cover memo you did on the tribes of the Republican Party. I think it's one of the most interesting pieces of research of the last Thank year. You. How do people get it? They go to your website? Yep. It's up on our website, www.fabriziolee.com. Uh, and it's up right, there, great. and you can, you can get it. And as well as see you know uh various panels and stuff like it's that. everywhere man i think netflix has optioned it so uh, <laughs> it'll probably be a, it'll probably be a seven part series soon yes yes i just want to know who's going to play me in the and i heard it's danny devito uh yeah. but i'm not <laughs> the, quite the sure talks are underway i can't <laughs> i can't right i can't say it. more this is chris christie's backup plan actually so <laughs> all right guys well, all guys, right thank gentlemen you. thank you Take care. good to see, see you, everybody. Bye.